book report. It's a book report. It's a book report about a movie. Cause that makes sense. Welcome back, people out there, to the Real Weirdos podcast. Today, it's just me and Alex, Jesse and Alex, here to give you a book report about a movie. Because that makes sense. <laughs> we have English degrees, we do book reports, and that's about as far as the little joke here extends, right? Yeah, I think so. It pops its head up every once in a while when we like mispronounce or butcher a word. <laughs> yeah, it does. And we make fun of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, you think, I, I don't know, I guess maybe there's some way we could bring it in to like work with the English degrees thing more. I'm just not sure how. I mean... There are a few films that we've really, really dissected narratively and come out with like symbolism and things like that, which is what an English major, you know, someone who studies literature does. Um, The caveat to that is that instead of looking for like metaphors or sentence structure or syntax, you know, as far as the mechanical tricks that artists use to convey their themes, we look at camera angle, lighting, color, music. They're just... There are more senses involved, I guess, when you when you were like talking about a movie. But um, I mean, books and written literature will always be like up there close to number one is like the my favorite art form. Right. But I don't know, man, the world we live in in the 21st century, 20th and 21st century that we grew up in. It's like films have steadily replaced the Victorian, you know, serial novel. You'd like wait a week or a month go to your print shop and get the next episode of fucking Sherlock Holmes or whatever was coming out. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we do use the same techniques, the analytical techniques, dissecting things. But my point is we don't like, we don't call attention to it in terms of naming a segment after it or having like, Mm. like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like having a little, uh, I guess you call it a gimmick. (laughs) You could, you could think about it that way. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that would, uh, yeah, I don't know. But speaking of the the 20th slash 21st centuries, I felt so old this morning when I was looking at the actors in CODA, which is what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's her name? Let me see here. Amelia Jones, this fantastic young actress born in the year 2002. Oh, is that Ruby? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was Ruby. Oh, man. I, I was know. like, that's the year I started high school. Man. I mean. Yeah. Uh, when we were in class up at school, I mean, I was in, we were in classes with some like 18 year old kids, right? Yeah, Alex and I graduated Berkeley like last year. Yeah, and we were we're old we were old men there. Yes, we were <laughs> for sure. Um, and yeah, relatively speaking, there were some like 60, 70 year olds in classes, which was super cool. Oh hell see. yeah, I like that. I love that. Those love are always that. the coolest people, right? When I was at they really college, are like. I was always really, really close with all the older people in class because I was like, you're fucking awesome. Like, regardless of what the bullshit of life is thrown at you, you're still here. Like, damn. I don't know. It's cool. But, um... The bullshit of life indeed. Much like, you know, dealing with a a family drama involving fishing and trying to go to school and young love and all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, we were talking about films being a little more sensory. All of that that you just mentioned without one of, you know, the main senses. <laughs> yeah. Not 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 Ruby, sorry. No, not Ruby, but just her family. Yeah, if you all don't know about Coda, which would be strange, it almost felt like we had to talk about this movie after it won the Oscar. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's about a, a girl who is in high school and is the only member of her family who is not deaf. And she loves to sing, which her family obviously doesn't really understand because they can't hear. Mm-hmm. You have them signing to each other. What if she's terrible? But she's actually really goddamn good. Yeah. And she gets, she's taken under the wing of a very movie-ish teacher who's like the asshole with the heart of gold uh, that, that helps her succeed. Mr. V. Mr. V. Yeah. I was immediately drawn to him. And yeah, so she she wants to go to Berkeley, stu- uh, Berkeley College School of Music. Of music. Yeah. Yeah, not our Berkeley, a different Berkeley. And, oh, will she get there or not <laughs> in, in this Oscar-winning movie? Of course she does. <laughs> um, you you kind of know where it's going to go. But but before I, sorry, before I jump into all that, Alex, yeah. what did you think of Coda? Oh, man, <laughs> I mean, I really liked it. It was, it's hard not to like. It's like very, very apparent why it was chosen for the Oscar. Not necessarily because like, it's not revolutionary, right? Like, it's not breaking any fucking film boundaries or anything. Maybe except for, I will say, the heavy use of ASL, which we've seen in other movies and done before, and it's starting to become more of a popular technique, which is great. That's fine. I think that if you can portray a scene without... Like, the rudimentary, elementary, basic technique of acting is, like, body movement, kinetic energy, you know? it's So it's like... Someone who is deaf or hard of hearing and has to rely on ASL or sign language in a film, it just gives the acting and the roles just a much more enhanced kind of feeling to them. Mm, All that gesticulation going on. Yeah, right? Like, it's hard not to feel some type of emotion when, you know, her dad is like signing frantically and things like that. Um, It's hard because this film is definitely like... It like oozes kind of like the Oscar sentimentality aspect. And it wasn't like a mm. huge film. I think it like it did what sub two million at the box office, which isn't I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. So it's a pretty small movie though. I understood why it won after I watched it. When I watched the Oscars originally, I was a little confused just because I was like, oh, I haven't seen it. I didn't think that they were actually gonna give this one the Oscar. But uh, no, I, I mean, I well, really liked it's it. Well, it's a diversity double whammy. You have, um, this is not to take away from the film, but it is about deaf people. So that's one point in in terms, if you're thinking about this in terms of like the academy and being cynical, mm-hmm. it's about deaf people in, in large part. So that's one. And then it's directed by a woman. So that's number two. Mm-hmm. The academy is trying to like, you know, be like, hey, we're diverse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um. But, it, but you're right. This is a very, very good movie. And it's. I think it's almost unfortunate that I watched it after knowing that it won the Oscar. Because I, I, know. It, I, I was like looking at it through those goggles, yeah. right? Those Oscar goggles. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. This is a very safe, easy pick for the Academy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because in, in a way it is a safe, easy movie, it's very digestible. It, it okay. You know exactly where this movie's gonna go, and it does exactly enough in between the the beginning and the end to keep you invested, to make you feel like there's a sense of danger and accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And this is not me trashing the movie. I think if you're gonna make a movie like this that Grandma can enjoy, that follows the script of, you know, a, a, a classic like coming of age tale sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 
this is about as good as you can make that movie. Like if you told me to write a script about this exact thing, I think this is about as good as you can possibly do it and having it appeal to a broad audience. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's incredibly well done, but uh, I mean, it's also not challenging. Exactly. It's not a challenging film. There are moments where the music really kind of tugs you along, mm -hmm. right? It tells you how to feel and that can be irritating, but you know, Spielberg does that stuff exactly. too. Exactly. I was going to say, um, this is kind of <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to say a recall or like a hearkening back, but it is like so in line with like the vein that the Academy was going for in like the later part of the 20th century, you know? And like, it's like the new version of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the best it does, way to put It's it. not, we always talk about 90 mo 90s movies. Mm -hmm. 90s movies starring Tom Hanks and that kind of mm -hmm. feeling because mm -hmm. everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about the Green Mile. This is like the updated version of that. Mm -hmm. And those were good. And this is also really good. Yeah. Um, it. So there was another film that came out last year, maybe two years ago, that got pretty good accolades and received pretty well called The Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed. And about a punk rock like drummer who Ooh. begins oh. to lose his hearing and he eventually oh. like has to it's like someone from the hearing world all of the sudden like going into this really really scary time in his life where he's losing his own hearing you know from being around all the loud music and then yeah him rejecting that and trying to like connect with this asl deaf community that is like dude we got you like life can still be invigorating like so it has a different flavor for sure, but there are little moments in this film, in Coda, like in The Sound of Metal, that if you are not deaf or have never been around a deaf person, they kind of, they might not like hit you with the same poignant, like profound effect that some of the themes and the sh shots in these films will, but I don't know, man. Some of the, the shots in this movie were so sensual and like intimate. Um, I'm speaking specifically of oh. when the father reaches out to ask to feel the vocal cords. Yeah. That part was really like, cause I've had, I've worked with deaf people. I work with a deaf person now and I did at my previous job and Ernie, the first guy that I worked with, it was in a grocery store, right? And he works on the sale floor. So it's incredibly frustrating to him, but also to customers who maybe don't understand right away. Right. And they think he's being yeah, rude. They're like, sure. why aren't you speaking to me? Like, I just asked you how you were doing, blah, blah, blah. And then he has to take his phone out. And there are times when older customers and clientele who maybe don't realize there's an app to help you with this communication breakdown. They're like, oh, now he's just going on his phone, right? So I've seen him get really upset. But I remember there was one day where he said, I want to say your name. Because he can vocalize and he can like phonetically make noise. But he just doesn't know what it sounds like. So he held my, my throat while I would say my name. And it was so interesting to see like his brain just like, I don't know, like you could see like wheels turning and things like that. And it was just crazy to me that he was actually somehow digesting some sound through like tensile tactile touch, right? Like mm, the little vibration. It's so it's like, weird. Uh, like listening to gangster rap, right? <laughs> yeah. So when he goes to <laughs> concerts, he would mention how he goes to the very front because they have like a little section for deaf people so they can see like the sign language person on the stage. And he will just like go up to the Is Marshalls. that a thing at concerts? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that. Wow, okay. I, I guess I go to smaller shows, so. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, really into the festival scene, you know? But yeah. he'll go up to, like, the Marshall Stacks and lie up against the Marshall Stacks and just let them just blast, like, sound through his body. And I don't know. When I watched this film, I was like, wow. Obviously, it's made by people who have dealt with deafness and all, a lot of the actors are. And I was just like, wow, this is very, this feels very authentic. It isn't like, oh my God, there's this girl in high school. She's deaf. She's going to overcome all the, it's not like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You could, you could tell somebody the plot to this movie and they'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. And roll their eyes. <laughs> but it's, but I, the word you brought in there, authentic is, is a really good one. And I think I'm like 95% with you. It feels very real, right? Even though it feels like a movie storyline, mm-hmm. in, in, in some sense, it also feels very genuine. A lot of the moments between characters feel very genuine, even though the shell with which it presents it is very constructed, like like movie thing. It's like, oh, she's she starts out here, you have to go through all these tribulations to get to here in a very sort of a digestible way, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, yeah. Fuck's sake, Alex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Forgot my point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. About authenticity, though. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that drags it down a little bit for me are those moments where the score is like a little too preachy. Yeah. Where it's like, we're, especially at the end when it felt like a Disney movie. Yeah. It felt like a Disney movie at the end. And I get it. And I think that most people who see it are going to be swept away in that. But I had just watched Y Tu Mama Tambien <laughs> yeah. before I watched this, which is a movie that does not drag you along whatsoever. Yeah you have to sort of meet it halfway mm-hmm. and the score isn't going to like, it's not going to tell you how to feel in, in, in an easy, easy way. Oh no, exactly. Yeah. I don't know how to say it better than that. No, exactly. I mean, so there were moments in Coda where I was like, please, please let me just feel this scene out. I'm on my own. Like that's the thing about the sensory aspect of film, right? Is like music can really, really, color the like flavor of the film and in a way where I'm just I don't know I you know me and my like imagination and the way that I like to like climb around the themes that are being presented to me I'm like let me do this let me do the heavy lifting and the legwork let me do the thinking yeah you you need to do no heavy lifting in this film it's like there are certain scenes where I'm like this scene is powerful without even without sound or music let me experience that, you know? But you have, like, the the sweeping orchestra start come in and, like, the piano and everything. I'm like, okay, okay, fuck it. I'll just feel this way. Like, Yeah, you're like, okay, movie, just drag me along. <laughs> yeah. And it's not it's not dragging you through, like, a minefield. Mm-mm. It's dragging you through, like, I don't know, just, like... Lilies. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just dragging you on a nice slip and slide, and you're like, okay. Yeah. That's nice. I'll go along with that. I love how you said safe. Because it really was like, I can imagine the board meeting, right, at the academy. Just like, so, risk assessment. <laughs> yeah, zero. And we choose this Zero film, percent. Literally it's negative n- percent. No one will negative get Negative percent. Yeah. <laughs> because, because, once again, this is not my critique. I'm just saying, if you're thinking about it cynically from the academy, mm-hmm. it's directed by a woman. It's about deaf people. 
you're gonna be safe you're gonna be safe it's a good movie good pick yeah good solid pick it's not parasite exactly you know <laughs> this is not yeah. gonna challenge you oh, you man. could show this to grandma and grandma will be like that was beautiful exactly exactly and like it's definitely one of the tear jerkers you know like it it hits you in that that spot where it's just like okay this is emotional i get it like i get the emotion in it but i don't know i'm not in the mood lately for films that necessarily challenge me i don't want to say like that's all i want to watch but it's interesting right because this film in our like anthology of the films that we've talked about not just on the book report but on the on the main episode as well it yeah it sits as like i it's really hard for me to say this, but it, it's it, a little bit vanilla after anti. I was about to right? say, like, it's like a really well-made vanilla bean ice cream. It's like nice, very simple, very very well executed. I am excited to see what Siobhan, um, what's her name? Oh, Sean Heater. Excuse me, not Siobhan. So is it Sean? Is that how you say that? Yeah, I've been struggling with her name in my brain all day. The director, her name is S I A N, and then Header, I believe. Yeah. It's just extremely Heather, you, you saw the awards. You watched them. Yeah. So you have an unfair advantage over me, <laughs> sir. I've just had to read it. Um, yeah, I had a an Irish history teacher as well, Dr. Corbett, in uh, high school who was, like, from Ireland, had written journalist, like, sorties with the IRA and whatnot, had, like, lived in their kitchen oh. while they were, like, you know, building nefarious items and whatnot. And he uh, made sure... That every time we encountered someone from history with a like Irish Gaelic spelling of a name, that we would pronounce it correctly. So okay, yeah, no. Um, now I know she's interesting. I'm like excited to kind of see what she does after this. Obviously, like this is a movie that is easy to digest. It's pretty vanilla. It's good, but I'm still excited to see what the filmmaker can do. And oh my god. These actors. Yeah, she wrote it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we'll talk about the actors, but I was going to ask you about Sean Hedder. Uh-huh. If you had seen, I guess she's she's very had very little uh, directorial projects. Yeah. There's there's one film in 2016 called Tallulah, which I, I've, I've never seen. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. It's a Netflix movie. And then she's just done some TV in between here and now, but I'm sure she'll be able to get funding for whatever project she wants after this, you know? Oh, yeah. After getting the the best best picture, you know? Yeah, because, you know, she wrote a short film called Mother, which won, like, um, some awards and things like that. Um, but I, for some reason, I thought it was, like, the full feature film Mother, which is on Netflix, which, I mean... No, that's Aronofsky. Wait, is it really? Are you talking about the Jennifer Lawrence vehicle? Oh no 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 no! This one is this one is with Hilary Swank and some other actress that I've never seen before. It's like a sci-fi movie about a uh, robot no. mother. It's so weird. No no, it's not that. Okay. I don't know what I don't know anything about. That sounds interesting. It is it, a robot a robot mama. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to weird? watch it. I almost suggested. Is it, it a once. Jesse movie? It's it's kind of in the vein of like High Life, but less French, less European less avant-garde damn i gotta watch this yeah it's i'll check it out anyway but yeah she um she's like has such a small little resume it's like almost like talking about panos here right um it's i have like nothing to kind of go off of my reaction to licorice pizza was informed by my experience with paul thomas anderson and it's hard for me to do that with cosmatos and with with header here 
Yeah, she she has some writing credits. She's wrote a bunch of episodes for Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's like experiences of women in interesting situations. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I have I've never seen that show. I've never seen any of these shows, but it's okay. So, one of the things that's interesting if we're going to talk about the Academy and we will talk about the actors here mm-hmm. eventually. It's like this was only nominated for three, and I think that was a good choice to not have a uh, best director or best cinematography, especially. Yeah. You did talk about some moments that you like the shots, but for the majority of it, it's pretty workmanlike mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of shooting style, which is to say that it's clean and effective, but it's not very impressive on like a technical level it's like textbook. Ne- I, I was never sitting there like wow that was a good shot yeah yeah you know yeah. a couple times there are a couple times but for the most part it's just and this is not to, to denigrate it once again i think it just allows the actors and the story to be the focal point mm-hmm. as opposed to the filmmaking which you know is an entirely acceptable and even you know a plaudible way to go about it depending on your movie. Yeah. It all depends. I think, yeah, I should modify like, I, because I'm not as well versed in film critic critique to anyone listening. When I said shots, I mean scenes. Like there are small scenes of narration, like narrative action is what I was talking okay. about. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, get, yeah. I get what you're saying. I have to be careful because shot does mean a, like a technical aspect in film critique right like a it shot means, is a shot yeah, yeah 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 so i meant more of the narrative aspect but no you're you're dead on right it's like it's textbook and when in, in sports when someone does something good and efficient and standard like you you say oh that that was textbook because it's like you literally did what it says to do in the textbook and it's not a denigrating comment in any way it's just like you did what you were supposed to do. And she filmed this film in a well, like well-mannered and style, not stylistic, excuse me, clean way. And it was so very standard, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's only her second film in 10 years. So yeah, like, you know, it's like if you, you're going to, you got to, not everyone could come out of the gate like Paul Thomas Anderson inventing techniques. Yeah. You know, or Tarantino, exactly. like changing the game. For a lot of people, maybe that's not their strongest suit. Their strongest suit is directing the actors or telling a story. And before, I mean, going into the element of like prodigies, like PTA. Yeah. And not everyone being that. Most people have to learn by going by the textbook first. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that's possibly what's going on here. I don't, I, I do not know. Oh, yeah. And I mean it in like probably the best possible way that I can mean it. It's just like. She like stuck her landing, right? It was like, oh, you yeah. did like the medium difficulty trick. <laughs> Solid eight out of ten landing. Yeah, yeah. like, and, <laughs> yeah. and you you stuck it. So it's interesting, but we were in a weird year for for films and movies, and I don't yeah, know if the Academy was downer tr- year. Yeah, like were they <laughs> two years of a pandemic, racial indifferences like in the country, turmoil abound. And you choose Paris. <laughs> like, it would just be like, oh, God, please don't. Like, give us something sweet and generic. Yeah. Like, do you think that that was, do you think that that was part of the consideration? I hate, I, 
I want to say yes, but that does not color my like critique of this film in any way. Because that would be unfair to Sean and to everyone else who worked on the movie. But yes, yeah, like being cynical like you were talking about before, it's, it's hard not to see it that way. You know, the war in Iraq and 9-11 had just happened and then we, the Academy gave Crash the fucking... <laughs> award which oh, is yeah you hate that film oh 100 percent uh to this I, day i don't re- all i remember is that matt dylan has a dad who can't pee it's <laughs> all i remember i remember him saving yeah yeah a lady from a car mm-hmm. so i know we're talking about that one yep. and not the cronenberg film yeah i'm gonna have to rewatch that dude maybe we'll book report it oh god at some point I'll, i'm gonna drag it up for you dredge it up for you dude honestly if we watch it there could be some solid some solid Jeff reactions. We don't we don't have enough hate casts, so it's been a while. Oh my god. Um but let's talk about the actors in this film. Yeah. Let's get back <laughs> get back on track a little bit here. Um but you're right. I, to to wrap up the Oscar thoughts, it really could be, you know, in, in a year as crazy as this was, maybe uh-huh. it was just like let's just have a little bit of normality, have our, you know, twenty twenty two analog to the 90s Tom Hanks movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, But yeah, man, fucking let's talk about these performances because they are great. Yes. Wow. Everybody is great. Oh my God. Amelia Jones, this 18-year-old woman, and when they were were, uh, filming this movie, got to spend like a whole year or most of a year learning sign language, learning how to sing, and like working on a boat, which sounds like a more interesting year than I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not true. I've done some <laughs> traveling, but but like pretty up there. Oh yeah, man, you know. God, it's so it's so cool. As a side note, that that's like how you get to prepare to be in roles. Oh, I know. You know, you just learn skills, dude. Like, uh, what's his face? Like learning how to make shoes or some shit. Daniel Day Lewis. No, I think he just does that on his own oh does he okay <laughs> he's never mind. A, yeah i don't know what movie he would do that for i guess phantom thread yeah i don't really know but it's just hilarious but like tom holse spending a year like perfecting being a uh, mozart yeah know? like his job for like a year was learn how to play the piano like mozart <laughs> and he did <laughs> and so and this this young lady amelia jones cultivated an amazing voice Oh, she yeah. could go be a singer now, like legitimately. She's great. Oh my god! But yeah, what what do you think of the performances? So one of the big ones, right, is Troy Kotzer because he won Best Supporting Actor. Um, yeah, and I already talked about it before. His speech was great, and you can tell that he's just like a born and natural like performer. Just a oh, that's who you were talking yes, about. Yeah, I had no context. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah, at the time. Dude, his speech, like, it was obviously in ASL, but there was an interpreter there speaking for him, and he was just so, like, eloquent, off-the-cuff, hilarious, poignant. Like, he touched all the bases. It was, like, the perfect Oscar speech, and he got people to, like, cry at the end, so, like, ah, fuck, I don't know. But his performance was, I don't know, I really, like, want to draw attention to just the uh, moments where he was, like, erratic, so when we speak and we're upset, you can hear it in our voices, right? Like you, you get into different pitches, different tones, different like modulations. It's really not unsettling or disconcerting, but it's really like it has such a profound effect to see someone going through those motions, but without 
uh, being vocal about it. There's no vocal aspect to it, so they have to move their body. The moments where he was like upset or strained or stressed and his like signing was mimicking that, I don't know. It really got to me because it was like you saw his character not just sounding upset, but like, I don't know. He was so energetic and I loved it. He has some of the most hilarious moments in the film too. I loved <laughs> yeah. his character. I, When I watched it, I knew that it had won the Oscar. I had no idea that he was even nominated or won or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, this guy is <laughs> just hilarious, man. When he's talking about putting on the condom, yeah. that whole thing, <laughs> I was like laughing my ass off oh, legitimately. <laughs> and a couple times. Uh, worth noting, I, I think you may have said this, but everybody who's deaf in this film, the the family members, are all deaf actors. Yeah. And the mom, Marley Matlin, mm-hmm. I, I learned this. I, I didn't think about if they were deaf or not when I watched the film because acting is acting. Mm-hmm. But I saw that she won an Oscar in 1987 yep. for a film. Uh, that has a name, and that name is Children of a Lesser God. We got there. Nice, nice. Um, where and it's about something about deaf people, and I was like, huh, that's an interesting coincidence. And then I thought in my little brain, wait, maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe yeah. that's not a coincidence, <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> so that that led me to the the realization that all these actors are deaf actors, which is cool. I don't know how difficult it is to get work as a deaf actor in Hollywood especially in major roles it's probably not easy yeah you know I just want to call attention everyone to anyone listening to the logical like uh, exercise that just happened with Jesse he (laughs) admitted that he was wrong about something or something was like confusing him and he went and he researched it and then he found out he was right so if everyone in the world could kind of go and follow that philosophy that would be fucking amazing (laughs) moving on um dude do you read a headline this morning oh man yeah i've just been (laughs) all of them scrolling through all of the news right but um she was in a favorite show of mine called the west wing she was in the west wing as a deaf character and when i first saw the show i was like wow really insensitive 90s tv show right like you were having this actor come on and speak in like these weird phonetic sounds like as if she was deaf, right? And everyone talks about how she's deaf on the show. And she's like this, uh, she's like a killer uh, like lobbyist, like political activist on the show. And she's just like absolutely solid and everyone wants her for her campaign. But she's deaf, right? And then I found out later on that she's actually deaf and I had the same moment of realization as you. And I was like, oh... That's actually very interesting. And then I thought, oh, West Wing, how nice of you. You're like throwing a bone here, you know, to the American disability community. And I didn't realize like in her own right how much of a talent she was. I later then found out about that that movie that you were speaking of. And then I saw her on stage at the Oscars and I was like, you look like the deaf girl that was in West Wing. <laughs> and she was. So she Boom. she's carved All out a career for, connect. Her, for herself, Marley. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the brother as well. I'd never seen. I'd never seen anybody in this film before. Yeah, neither had I. In anything ever, um, even though some of them have been in a great many things. Well, I guess okay. 
That's actually not strictly true. Amelia Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw her. I must have seen her in. Let's see, which one was it? Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides what? in 2011, as the role of English girl. Oh yes. So you know. How could I have forgotten? She would have been like eight or nine years old. I was uh, probably drunk five years out of high school <laughs> watching this movie. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I ever even made it to that one. No. I mean, I, not in theaters. I saw every one of the Pirates in theaters when they were coming out. The first and the second one. Those ones were just like, I was like fucking amazed. But The Stranger Tides. I is... think that's like the fourth one. Oh, okay, I was going to say. Fourth like... or fifth. Got it. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember how many there are anymore. Got it. Um, but yeah, the, so I, I guess I'd seen her before, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> but she, I mean, she did great, right? Um, and it was, I think it was a really cool technique to make it like the main, the rest of the family is deaf instead of the main character. I thought like you could have easily done the main character's deaf and she's struggling and her family doesn't know what she's going through, Right. But that would have been a much more easily yeah. audience manipulation-y type of movie exactly. that could have pissed me off, yeah, to right? be honest. Like, that would have yeah. made me fucking angry. So I'm glad that, that they depends. did it this way. It's, it is, it's just, it just seems too easy. Oh, but 100%. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some deaf people will get... Oh, they're not listening. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, shit. Oh, that was fucked up. <laughs> I'll edit that out, but that was fucking amazing. <laughs> No, don't edit it. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, how can hey, they Hey, listen, know? people. Listen, people. They're lovely. They just can't hear. It's okay. This It's the world we live in. I mean, not listening to our, they're not listening to our podcast. If anyone doing a podcast out there has figured out a way to make the majority of your demographic deaf, send us a, a tip. Like, <laughs> I don't. Do we want that? I mean, I guess. No. I mean, if you just have like an ASL, if you have like an interpreter on the show, but we don't have a video element anyway. That's what I'm just saying. Be subtitles. Radio. I guess you could listen to the show with subtitles. It would be very confusing, though. Yeah. I just mean like the the inception of the real weirdos was not when deaf people started to be excluded from podcasts and radio, right? Like they've been dealing with this shit for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Since human civilization began, man, that would if be you're, fucking. If you're insane. not able to hear things, then if you don't have modern contrivances to help you with that, that's pretty fucked. That's not oh, yeah. not fun. No, you know, yeah. you can't hear the cheetahs coming. Oh God, yeah, I know. Or right? the warning calls in the woods, or like before you know popular entertainment like what do you do in like 18th century i guess you read books yeah know. it would have been interesting if coda was like books. a period piece right like about i don't know fucking jane austen living with her death fam deaf family and just writing all these manuscripts like i'm, I'm gonna be an amazing novelist and you have no idea you know uh. and i don't know like it's just who was the composer that went deaf was that mozart eventually? beethoven Beethoven. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not Mozart, because we just watched Amadeus. Yeah, Mozart and they got didn't the touch on that. unceremonious like, lie burial, right? They just poured him in a fucking hole and threw lie on him, and they're like, okay, we're done. Mm, that's what I want. I, I know, right? Just bones rotting under the earth. No, nah, I want a Viking burial. I want to just burn me on a pyre in the woods and get drunk. Oh, that'd be sick, dude. Yeah. 
Um, but let's talk about. Let's I was gonna say like Coda. the singing aspect of Coda was interesting yeah. to like make it about like choir and about this girl who like wants to be like this singer. It's almost like could you have thought of anything more that was exclusionary to your family in some way, or like is it like a big just fuck you to mom and dad? But it does play its role, right? It like makes the movie that much more poignant. Because it's like any fucking movie. I don't know. It's like Rudy in football. He's a little guy who wants to play football and he has spirit. You know, or the fighter pilot who's colorblind, but he's going to be the best fighter pilot that ever was. I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it's an interesting way to like. You're making it sound so lame. I know. (laughs) These are just anecdotal. It creates a really good juxtaposition and a really unique juxtaposition Mm -hmm. because you don't get that many movies that deal with the subject, at least not that I'm aware of. So like, yeah, your parents, it's hard for them to understand your dream if your dream is singing, if they, if they don't under, if they have no concept of what music is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is a wild thing to think about as well. Right. Not understanding what music, I mean, okay, maybe I, I I feel like I need to be careful. I'm not trying to like put anyone down. I don't, I don't know what their understanding of music is. Mm -hmm. God damn it, Alex. No, it's hard, dude. It's hard. I feel like I'm going to get some hate comments on this one and I really don't want them. We are, we are genuinely trying to work through and figure this out for ourselves too. We are not in any way trying to like offend anyone and if anything just the stuff that jesse and i say here is not like set in stone it's just kind of we're just working through these ideas and these themes right because it that's what this movie's supposed to do this movie's supposed to like bring up this topic of deafness right but if the topic of that it wants to bring up is oh yeah that movie was great move on then it really isn't doing its job so by talking through these things i feel like the yeah movie is i'm really interested doing I've never like spoken to a deaf person before and asked them what their concept of music is. Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe mean, if uh, yeah, let us know in the comments. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I I ran into the guy that I was speaking of before, and he was reading. Um, fuck, I don't know what it's called, but it's the autobiography of Anthony Kiedis. Uh, from oh, nice, Red Hot Chili Peppers. my boy. Yeah, yeah. And I had read it before several times, and it's a crazy story. And I was talking to him about Anthony and like the craziness that the Red Hot Chili Peppers went through in the early 90s in LA. And then in my head, I I thought like all of a sudden I was just like, I like wanted to ask him, what is your favorite song? Right? And I was like, holy fuck, wait, what am I doing? But then I was like, fuck it, I'll just ask him, right? And he, he had a list of songs ready to just tell me and I like, that's when I was able to broach the subject with him or breach the subject and be like, what is music for you? Like how, how do yeah. you like digest it? Cause he also loved David Bowie. And I was like, okay. you, you have all of these like idols and these heroes that are musicians, but forgive me for being so ignorant. Like how do you enjoy them? How do you consume them? And that's when he told me about the vibration and the speaker thing. He's like, it sucks for people who hear because I have to listen to music very loud to feel like the shaking of his car or like the speaker. But he's like, I don't know when I have the interpreter there, he's like, my brain was just wired in a way that I can get more meaning out of like written word and the vibrations than I could if I was like actually hearing, you know, when someone loses their sense and like they say the other ones become enhanced. He was like, yeah, I I actually think that like, that's probably what happened because he actually, 
he was of hearing and then he had an accident like hw and there will be blood and right. yeah and he lost yeah. his hearing and it sucked because it was in such like a developmental time of his life that he didn't he wasn't able to form language so there are some deaf people who like learned english and how to speak it before they went deaf so you can hear the like artifacts in their speech um yeah yeah it's much different to like lose it along the way as opposed to never hearing you probably have a much different you know yeah sort of ethos about it but i loved how the film like established that like while her parents want to support her their life is fishing you don't need your hearing necessarily for like pulling fish out of the water i mean that comes into play later on that you do need your hearing when you're out in the water and you're dealing with marine codified laws and things like that yeah 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 but it's interesting that they were like okay you want to be a singer but like they showed how the parents like didn't really get it right like i don't know like, yeah what what are they supposed they did to do a good job with that yeah <laughs> so the movie itself i feel like is this almost not offensive but it's like this working through of the deaf world you know and it brings up moments of ableism and disableism where it's like why does ruby have to be there to at every beckoning call to let you guys know that like there's a sound that you need to listen to right Right, to the detriment of her life in a major way. Exactly. And it shows that there is a friction between the disabled and the abled world that we must reconcile and we we must try and confront, you know? But there is that friction where it's like, who do we deny here? Do we deny Ruby her, like, singing career and her wanting to grow into this adult, like, being? Or do we try and reframe it in the way where it's like, Ruby, you need to be more aware of the disability that your parents carry with you. I, I don't have an opinion necessarily on it. It's just the movie is opens up this whole form of discussion where it's. I feel like it's hard to be offensive in the discussion about the film. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that sometimes I say things and it can be misconstrued. <laughs> um, but no, I... So you're getting into like why this movie works <laughs> in a major capacity, which is that which is all of the drama that comes from that juxtaposition of wanting to get into Berkeley, but also like this this entirely different life where your family are deaf fishermen. Yeah. Right. That is, you cannot get more different than that. And the brother is an interesting figure. Leo. He's trying to essentially take over her role. And he's the sort of voice for that where he's like, no, let me handle it. Like, I'm an older brother. I should be able to handle all this. Mm -hmm. Like, get out of here. Go do your thing. It's always been St. Ruby. Like, yeah. And I like that idea where it's like, to him, she's just the the nexus that the family needs. She's like the fulcrum for understanding and so he puts her on a pedestal of sainthood, but to her, it's just this horrible burden, in a sense. Not not completely. I mean, she loves her family; they're a unit, yeah, in many ways. But but it is, if you are very different from the rest of your family in any way, and you're a tight knit unit, then it's going to cause friction. Yeah, and that's usually going to be an interesting story you can tell. But what did you think of the teacher? Do you like Mr. V? I did like Mr. V. We haven't talked about him at all. So I was incredibly drawn to his character um, because I myself, you know, I'm on the cusp of entering that world. 
Um, oh my God, he is. Everybody, wish him <laughs> luck. But wish Alex luck. <laughs> I thought of him as he is kind of like the symbolic specter of the abled world, right? I, if we're splitting it up into these camps right here, where Ooh, he's, he's okay. like, no, like you have talent. You need to like procure and like refine and curate this talent. And I'm going to tell you now, you're not going to let anyone in your family stop you or anyone like in your life kind of stop you. And it's this moment where I feel like is important for every developing child when you meet an adult authority figure that is not your parent and all, and you listen to them. It's not just like, hey, go put your toys away or hey, clean up the recess area. It's like they're giving you this agency. You know, Mr. V is giving her this agency and it's just like, you know that you could take this sensory and inherent like talent that you have and use it to your advantage right and it almost flies in the face of everything ruby is known in the in the idea that like not only do you have all of your faculties ruby but you are immensely talented in one of them where your whole life you've lived with people who you maybe you don't feel like they're less than but the society feels like they they are less than right so oh, it sounds like she doesn't even know she's good you know oh, exactly it, it takes takes mr v to tell her i do not waste my time i know <laughs> how would you, and the thing is is like how would she ever even know that she was good right like ah you sing for your friends she's yeah got the, she's got her friend who sleeps around she could tell her um you know jackie is that no what is her name yeah no nah, it was like i don't remember we could look it up it's going to be Gertie. here on the IMDb Gertie. somewhere. Gertie. That's what yeah. it, I kept mixing up Jackie and Gertie. I kept thinking about Gertie from, uh, oh God, what's it from? I it's I can hear it in my brain. It's like something, something, Gertie. Oh, uh, uh, fucking Moon. Right? Oh, is that his name? Is it Moon Gertie? Hold on. We got to check this out. Moon, the Sam Rockwell movie. I swear it's, I swear it's, I swear it's Gertie and Moon. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so every time I can't hear that name without thinking like thinking about that. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I didn't think about Kevin Spacey. It's more like Sam Rockwell telling Gertie to like hand him a wrench or something. Yeah. You know? That like 19. 19- but I think I think robot when I hear Gertie yeah. is the point. That like 19. If people out there smile. haven't seen Moon from 2009, go check it out. It's great. I really liked that movie. Um, but yeah, Mr. V, he's such a classic, like, teacher character in a movie. I know. Where it, st- it starts, lesson one, you're like, oh God, who's this asshole? Yep. But he's got a secret heart of gold and he believes in our protagonist. And he's going to help her succeed to the point where you think he's not going to show up at the end scene, but then he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> to accompany her and help her get into Berkeley by playing the piano wrong. <laughs> when she messes up, when she's not singing correctly, then he's like, "Hey," gives her that look, and then she, then her family comes in. They're not supposed to come in, but they go up into the rafters and are looking down from the. What do you call that? It's not the rafters. Uh, like the uh, the cheap seats or like the yeah, the cheap seats, yeah. the high seats, whatever. The They're Abraham up there. Lincoln seat. I don't know. It's an audition. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's it's a movie. It's very movie movie. There was one point. I'm curious if you had this thought as well. I was waiting for like an hour and a half for the movie to do a specific thing 
And I was thinking, if it does this, then that's a brilliant thing to do. Oh. Do you know what I'm going for here? No. Am I being too vague? Is it... Okay. Like, was it a darker turn? It's a movie that is in large part about deaf people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, show me their experience. And... Okay. Like, you know, turn down the sound. Yeah. Uh, see, like, like, let me look through their eyes. Mm -hmm. If that's one of your goals in this movie, then do it cinematically. It's one thing for you to, like, have me be able to hear Ruby and... You know, and that's who I'm relating to in this film. Yeah. Right. Obviously, um, she's the relatable central core for hearing people like me. But um, I was like, show me. Use the language of cinema to do that. And they did it at one time. And it was probably the perfect moment to do it. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Hmm. Were, okay. Were you waiting for the movie to do this? Number one. Yes. Because... I was going to ask, have you seen A Quiet Place or A Quiet Place Part 2, the horror um, movie from John Krasinski? No. No, I have not actually. So, As a big horror fan, people tell me I should watch those. It's about monsters that attack based on sound. They're like bats, and they use like echolocation. So the entire civilization has had to like go silent. Essentially, like you could be in the woods and like step on a twig and this fucking whatever one of these beings will come out of nowhere and just demolish you. So it's like Bird Box? Exactly. It came out right before Bird Box. So like it was so weird that that movie, I don't know. That That's just a whole Bird different thing. <laughs> Bird Box? Is, that's a side tangent on Bird Box. That movie could have been good, but it has such horrible editing. <laughs> it's like it's some of the worst editing ever. And not even in terms of like how you edit the rhythm of a scene. But like editing the story, the entire movie, if you had recut it to, uh, it, anyway, <laughs> go on a fucking rant about Bird Box. So if story structure matters, okay. Oh yeah. Like the quiet place, the, the crux of it, the twist here is that John Krasinski and his family have a deaf daughter. And so she can't hear when she's making sounds. They all had to learn how to speak in sign language, right, to be able to communicate with her, which is actually an advantage in the silent world. But it also has moments where she doesn't know that she's making sound, so it puts her in precarious and dangerous situations, and it, like, increases the tension of the film. But they switch to her a lot, and the sound goes away. Like, you can hear it, like, getting turned down, and it's like, you know that, like, high-pitched ringing that you hear in your ears sometimes when it's, like extremely silent i'm not talking about like yeah. tinnitus but like there's that it, they do that in the film and everything is silent you see john krasinski speaking to her or like signing to her and there's no noise you don't hear the wind or the footsteps or anything so it's a horror movie though like it goes from moments where it's extremely silent to she's walking in a room and she knocks over like a thing of paint cans yeah right and it's just like oh yeah. shit so that movie did it so i was waiting in coda for something kind of like that. And now that we're talking about it, I realize I don't remember when they did it. Is it while she's singing oh. both sides now at the very end? No, it's not at the end. It is when they go to see her for the first time during the school performance. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, they're talking, they're signing back and forth to each other. Like, what are we going to have for dinner? I don't know. While their daughter's like singing this beautiful soliloquy. Yeah. But then there's a moment where it's the camera sort of zooms in, I think maybe, I don't know. In any case, they notice when, I think when she's doing the duet, because 
all the other kids are gone. It's just her and the boy. Mm-hmm. So the focal point is on their daughter. And he looks around. The sound goes down completely. And they see people like crying and clapping. And it's that moment of realization that their daughter really is something special. Yeah, I do remember you know? that now. And using the language of cinema to do that. Oh, like yeah. if you take sound away, that's a big part of movies. Mm-hmm. So maybe it could have been utilized more than that. It probably could have been. But I'm glad that they did it at least once. And it was a very good moment to do it. Yeah. So I just wanted to applaud that. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about like just the simple, effective, like mechanical techniques that Quaron used in Itumama Tambien. And mm-hmm. it's the same here with like with that scene specifically. That scene was really, really good. I'm now remember like I'm seeing it like flow back to me as you described it. That was actually the right before he asked to feel her vocal cords. So yeah, no, that definitely that point of the movie, it was like so simple the way that they did that, but it showed like how much of a sea change was occurring within the parents, right? You go from talking about dinner to just being like, holy shit, look at all these people for our daughter. And while it seems formulaic and kind of simple when you write it out like that, they did really, she did really well to show that on, on film. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's do a couple of awards here. We're almost at an hour. Yeah. I know you have to go get ready for work. Sadly, not going to teach music, right? Yeah. No. Not yet. Not, yet. not today. But, uh, I mean, Phil Hoffman Award for Best Performance. It's got to be, uh, it's got to be, what's his name? Troy. Right? Troy. Frank, yeah. Troy Couture. I was thinking that even before I knew he got the Oscar. I was like, that is a really solid performance. Yeah. And the funniest, the funniest part of the movie. I was like, I love this guy. I fucking love this guy. He's just like, he just wants to bang. He's oh, like, I Look know. at your mom. She's so hot. How can I not have sex? <laughs> oh, that, that part is so funny. Because, <laughs> like, think about that right like that is hilarious you're deaf when you make your guttural primal noises while you're having sex you're not going to hear them Other oh people god when the uh when her friend yeah the, the boy she has a crush on is over <laughs> and they're like singing back to back and they just hear <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it's like wall shaking yeah like slap ass sex <laughs> you're like oh jesus <laughs> like i didn't know uh you know, it's funny because I feel like the namesake of our award is really fitting here, too. I feel like he, he turned in definitely like a performance that Philip Seymour Hoffman would have been proud of for sure. Mm. What do you mean? I just mean like I think he was just he's able to imbue like he was able to make me laugh and cry and like wince and pain all at the same time. And like, I don't know. He's just has such such a massive range of emotion in this film and like not at not one point did I ever feel like Troy was like overacting or like was this emotion kind of out of place and I feel like yeah I don't know I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman was a master at that I mean in in the master literally he goes from being like this like jovial like really genuine and like sociable character and in other moments he's just like this fucking manic like monster mess of a person and so I don't know I always thought that Philip Seymour Hoffman was really good at instilling some brevity in dra- dramatic roles, I guess you will. Yeah, making any level of the spectrum feel totally natural. Exactly. As far as his ability to express it and even like range between them, flit between them 
rapidly sometimes. Yeah, within the same scene, you know? And so with Troy, I was just like, I don't know. I felt like he he embodied this this award very well. Yeah. Once again, everyone is great in the film. The mother is fantastic. Yeah. We've talked about her. Um, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to remember these these actors' names because I'm I've been I've never been familiar with them in my life. Um, oh, Marley. The Matlin. brother. Yeah. Marley Matlin. The brother was good. He played his character well. This wasn't definitely wasn't the standout of the film, but I think it wasn't meant to be either. Yeah. He embodies the sort of young man on the cusp of like being an older man. He's like in his thirties, I believe. I think so. Yeah, he's like yeah more involved. He's, I think I looked him up. He's like born the same year as me. Oh, okay. Yeah, although he looks much better. <laughs> <laughs> Movies, baby. <laughs> well, he's just got that muscular man thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's great in the film. I got to give it to Troy, though. But the one I'm most excited about seeing in more movies is Amelia Jones. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's got, you know, she's a rising star, as they say. Yeah, I will say really quick, I just want to acknowledge that it's hard with female actors because you never know, like, this is not to take away from her as a person at all, and it's not this isn't like to bring up a whole like gender debate or anything like that, but I feel like we have to acknowledge that there's the chance that she could get like jammed into some of these like pretty girl roles or like roles that aren't like as complex or human. So to see her come out with this like first right off the bat is good. It's kind of like Jodie Foster putting her foot down and being like, no, I'm going to be an actor, right? Like I'm not going to be some fucking malleable like character or like pinup doll that you want. So it always it always just makes me afraid of young for young actresses in in Hollywood when I'm like, where are you gonna go? Where's where are the producers and the bigwigs and the men in the suits? Where are they gonna steer you? And hopefully with a performance like this, it will keep her like away from that. So why is that why is that different than like for young male actors? Because I think oh, like it's definitely the same actually. Any young actor, regardless of gender, can be drawn into doing a bunch of junk. You know, look at Robert Pattinson. You got to be careful, but yeah, yeah. Robert right? Pattinson did a whole bunch of junk before he corrected, and then you have people like Leo, who, regardless of what you think about him, has never done junk movies. Yeah. He's never done like you know, he's not he's not going to be in like a Marvel movie or something. That'd be yeah. very weird, or, or or anything like that. You know, he doesn't do these like popcorn summer movies. Everything he's done is like relatively artistic. Yeah. Right? The closest you would get to some sort of like gung ho adventure movie would be like Blood Diamond, but yeah. even then, that's Edward Zwick. Like, it's, maybe even the beach, you know? but the beach like kind of goes into weird territory that makes it not like the summery blockbuster like popcorn yeah. movie, right? And these movies are made by like established directors of like accredited note, yeah, who are like you know well regarded in the sphere of cinema. No, I d- so I think you're definitely right actually like that makes perfect sense like there are there's a whole like cadre of male actors that have fallen into the same kind of i mean look at chalamet as well you know like he's lucky that he's been able to get roles that are like serious and like well thought out you know like do you want to play paul atreides or do you want to play edward from twilight right like that's pretty good pretty easy choice right there for an up-and-coming actor so Yeah. yeah you were definitely correct i think maybe it's just like maybe it's just society 
and like the weird noise that comes with social media and the world being linked so quickly to each other. Like, I don't know. I, I would love to see Amelia Jones like just skyrocket into this role of like talent and respect. Yeah, so, Amelia, yeah. If we know you're listening. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, for sure, you're definitely listening to this podcast with 30 year old white men. But no, I think I, I would, Amelia, if you if you are listening, in the zero point zero 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 one percent chance you hear this, <laughs> stick to good art artsy movies. Yeah, I want to see you like be a legitimately a legitimate actress. Don't don't get a Disney villain role. Yeah, don't don't play don't play a young witch or a young queen. In like the Cruella sequel or some garbage, yeah. I don't even know. I don't know what any of these movies are. Stick with but Sean Hader. You know what I mean? Like become Sean Hader's like De Niro. You know, make movies with this one director for a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, be careful. Yeah. Don't. We don't want you to be a Tom Holland. Yes. Don't. Don't skyrocket. You. Who? Dude. People are gonna get angry at him. It's not Tom. <laughs> hey, Tom. It's not against you personally. I guess it's really the studios. You're just in. You're in all these. You're in these junk movies, and my name, my face is bombarded. My eyes are bombarded with your name to the point where I'm sick of it. Um, <laughs> it's like that. A big part of it is Uncharted. Let's be real here. Yeah, that Spider-Man like, com- meme, especially coming out right on the heels of Spider-Man. You're like, go away, Tom Holland. I know. Go away. And it's no fault of his. I'm sure he's a lovely person. I have no idea. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. I don't know if it's familiarity breeding contempt. You're just like, okay, young man at the top of the world. Good for you. (laughs) I don't know if there's like a jealousy element. It's entirely possible, you know? Yeah, you know, with Tom Holland, I don't know. I don't have the jealousy aspect as much with him because he's just younger. And I'm like, you're a child. He's like 27 now. He's got like laugh lines around his eyes and stuff. <laughs> I know. I feel it feels like he popped up yesterday and is still 15. I know, right? Doesn't it? It's Tom Holland. How old is this boy? We're done. We're done talking about Coda ish. <laughs> I don't know. We're just we're just on our rant now. Yeah. Um. We will wrap it up. 96. Yeah. He's like 25. 25. 26. Okay. Riding the crest. Got it. Yeah, who would have thought that, you know, this little podunk kid who came in to play Spider-Man six years ago would be the biggest actor in the world by now? I know, and I mean, crazy. he legitimately is, right? Like, it's not like, I don't know. He's like up there. He's like this generation's young fucking, I don't know, Tom Hanks or something. Yeah. like Just everybody in the world knows who he is. Yeah, I don't fucking understand. I mean, because... I haven't seen anything with him in it that's like he hasn't like blown me away as a as an actor himself. No. Um no. But I don't know, it's interesting to see guys like Chalamet and Holland make their face known in Hollywood and compare it with like the old classic good-looking like Roman built look of like John Wayne or like Cary Grant, even Marlon Brando. Right. Like you get into this weird like oh, society is like actually changing to the point where we like men a little softer. We like, you know, the longer hair, maybe a little more sensitive, yeah. which is If these is guys cool. were in those movies, they would have played like John Wayne's effeminate nephew exactly. who he slapped around, yeah. you know? Like if he was in The Great Escape, they'd probably be more like 
Donald Pleasance's character, right? Like some pencil pusher behind like a set of glasses or something. So it's it's cool and it's interesting to see the way that sex symbols change, you know, as the years have gone by. With men, respectively, because we are men, it's just I'm more like in tune with like how men are perceived rather than women. For me, I mean, women have looked not the same, but like beauty standards for women, I feel like have been pretty consistent throughout the past 40, 50 years. Yeah, you didn't have you didn't have big brawny women as the standard at yeah. one point. You know, it's generally been like, I don't know. Yeah, it, what it is essentially. Although we 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 are more attracted to the empowerment element these days, which is cool. Yeah. You're like characters like Katniss Everdeen, and you're like, yes, I want a badass woman. What's her Like face? a badass woman is especially cool because history is what it is. You know what I mean? I was going to say, dude, that's what makes Titan so cool to me. And like, I would love to see Katniss Everdeen and Titan just go at it for like a week in one of the fucking <laughs> wilderness things. I mean, Titan, <laughs> the girl from Titan would win easy. You think so? Against Katniss Everdeen? Oh, dude. I mean... This, this woman. She would just she would just like weasel her way in yeah. as like a friend and then stab her in the brain with a with chopstick, an right? Like yeah, with <laughs> something. Dude, she is just yeah, hairpin. But this film, um, sorry, just to go back to Coda really quick. Um, yeah, we can we can do that. We are talking about Coda to some degree. I thought also because we you said Tom Holland kind of popped up out of nowhere too. That made me think of Coda, like kind of just. Like, I had no idea about this film before it, like, the Oscars came and it gained a lot of traction. Then I was, like, everywhere, especially down here in L.A. There are posters everywhere. Yeah. It, there is a similarity to be drawn. Dude, you were talking about Timothy Chalamet a minute ago? Yeah. I had no idea who that even was until Dune came out, and now he's everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I had no idea. Oh, my God. No idea. He just has skyrocketed into, skyrocketed into that, like, echelon of, um... I don't, it's hard to say, right? Well, we need that, right? I mean, like, who are the big names, right? Who are the big stars? Well, I, I don't know if we need that. You know, yeah. Maybe stardom, stardom is a little, it's weird. Yeah. It's fucking weird. I know. But anyway, you, you do think, like, who are the next generation? Because, you know, the, the people that we reference as the greats are getting old now. Brad, yeah. The Brad Pitts, the Edward Nortons, all those guys. All, all, all the way down the line to like you know Guy Pierce mm -hmm. and these like really good actors that you know we grew up watching. Yeah, Ethan Hawke. The the end. The names are endless, but like they're getting old, you know. And then you have the sort of mid tier, like the James McAvoy's, the Michael Fassbender's. Not mid tier in terms of talent, but in terms of age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know right? what you're saying. Like yeah. Tom Hardy, these guys. Yeah. But even then, they're getting into their like forties now. I know. You know, they're just a little older than us, so. Who's the next generation of like, you know, this version of megastar? I don't think we're ever going to have megastars the way that we did because there's just too much competition now. Yeah, it's like trying to find a needle in a needle stack. But yeah, seeing seeing who comes up, you know, the new the new Emma Watsons, you know. Yeah, right? Like and it's it's hard to gauge on who's coming up because of how you look or like, you know, like your sex appeal or your marketability. And who's coming up because of your talent. So to draw it back to Amelia Jones, she's definitely someone who I feel like can rise because of her talent. And I God that like I hope to God that that's how her career unfolds. Um, but it's interesting because yeah, like hundred percent, I don't hundred percent know what Meryl Streep was like when she was a young and up and coming actress. Like I don't know if she was a sex symbol or if like she was printed on covers of like Vogue magazine. I mean, some research would probably help with that. But like. 
It's interesting because she's one that when I think of like big female actresses that have like made names for themselves, like Catherine Hepburn, her Meryl Streep, you know, like even um, not Rachel Weisz, uh, fucking Kate Winslet. Right. Mm-hmm. I always think yeah. I'm like, at what point in your career did you like overcome the constraints on you as a female? And like, when did society really say, you know what? Meryl Streep is like, she's like a titan of acting rather than being like, oh, you know, she was some sexy girl in some movie back in the day. So I don't know where that kind of occurs. And with Tom Holland to kind of like go full circle here, it's it's hard for me to like legitimately consume or try and receive him as his own artist when he's on the screen and there are millions of people who are like assaulting me with like, oh my God, it's Tom Holland. It's Tom Holland. He's the greatest actor ever, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, there's so much noise here that I can't even like take this guy seriously. Yeah, which is unfortunate. It is, yeah. Because he probably, I'm I'm sure he has the artistry to him. I've never seen him in anything outside of Spider-Man. You know, I haven't seen, he's done some smaller movies. He's done a few called, I don't know, called something. He did one with uh, Naomi Watts and uh, Owen McGregor about the tsunami in like 2004 in like Indonesia. Oh, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. I mean, that's an kid, interesting right? movie. That's but that's yeah. That movie wasn't. is pretty interesting. And oh, I guess I've seen Lost City of Z. I've seen a couple of these. In the Heart of the Sea, he was in that. Oh. Okay. He's been in some things, but I didn't know he was in them, so Yeah. <laughs> so that might tell you. But he has some he has had some like starring roles recently in movies that aren't uncharted. You know, mm-hmm. apparently to varying degrees of success. Some of them are apparently terrible. Oh, no. But but I don't know. I don't know how much of that is to do with him or not, though. It yeah. seems like there's bad movies. Chaos Walking. I think that's the one mm. that's just totally panned. <laughs> yeah. Doug Lyman film. Interestingly. Nice. But yeah. Amelia Jones. Don't be Tom Holland unless you want to, I guess. Yeah. If you have the opportunity, I guess it's like it's pretty exciting to be able to be the biggest thing ever. But I think he's going to end up being exhausted and the world is going to get a little exhausted from him. Yeah. We might be in that phase right now. We will have to see. But you got talent, kid. Yeah. You got talent. And she's not that like, I mean, she's very pretty, but she's not like that classic Hollywood pretty exactly. Exactly. She's yeah. a very good choice for this role. So. But you know, like they're into that now. So oh, they the world's are into sure. that. As as we're talking about men and women to, to differing degrees. Yep. Uh but yeah, man, Coda. <laughs> <laughs> Coda. Coda's an interesting movie. It's good. It's not challenging. You can show it to almost anybody. Yep. And unless they're looking for something weird and challenging, then they'll probably like it. Exactly. Your mom will like it, your dad'll like it, your grandma will like it. Yeah. And they'll recommend it to other moms and grandmas. <laughs> and I recommended it to Alex. Yes. So, you know, we got the whole the whole gamut here. Exactly. And I don't know about tweens though. I mean I'm I think here. Tweens will like it. Oh, one hundred percent. Anything yeah, anything that it's about pulls them. at the heartstrings will will get a a young teenager just, you know, welled up with emotion, angry, sad, whatever it is. They'll be they'll feel it. I mean, shit. It's just the way that kids are. It's the way that they like perceive and process emotion. It's just so big. I think Coda is like one of those films that is kind of like it's almost impossible for it to offend anyone, really. So 
maybe fishermen. I yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah. You know, like. <laughs> but even then, it's like they're on their side, too. I guess if you're somebody who takes advantage of fishermen. Yes. And deaf people. And you you think that's cool. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, maybe you won't like the movie, but you're an asshole. So. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah. Coda? Coda. Coda. Coda, Coda. It means children of deaf adults, and it means the end of, like, a musical segment. Perfect. Right? Doobity-doo. Coda for me and Coda for you. All right, let's get out of here. (laughs) Real weirdos, one and a half white men talking about a movie for way too goddamn long. It's actually true this time. Yeah. But I like that. We're in, like, an hour and 20. Um, It'll be cut down a little bit, but... Uh, Yeah, we'll catch you all next time. Coming out with us on Twitter at Real Weirdos Pod. You can uh, tell jokes to Jeff and see if he laughs. Um, or you can come hang out in the comments and tell us why we're monsters for talking about things we don't know anything about, Seriously. like deaf people. Ignoring the fact that that's what the movie wants us to talk about. All right. And tell us if you're tired of Tom Holland yet. I'm curious <laughs> to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get out of here. Peace, love, and hand grenades. Enjoy the porridge. Shout out to Grandma. I love you. Boobity boo. Now our podcast is done And we have to run We know it is sad But we had so much fun Don't be bereft Jesse, Alex, and Jeff We'll be back real soon The Real Weirdos We talk about movies For way too goddamn long Bo 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 bo